0: It has been 16 long weeks without live basketball on television with the last live televised basketball game, albeit an incomplete one, was the opening game of this year's Big East Tournament quarterfinals at Madison Square Garden between St. John's and Creighton, but that drought finally comes to an end on Saturday The 4th of July, America's birthday, Independence Day, the 4th of July, whatever you want to call it, tomorrow, basketball is back in America. Welcome inside the igloo, and thank you for tuning in. I mentioned in my previous episode, TBT starts... This Saturday, tomorrow, we're finally getting live basketball back in the flesh. And if you're a basketball junkie like me, or even just a big sports fan in general, you have to be salivating at the thought of this. Because I know, I sure as hell am. So... TBT gets started at 3 o'clock on Saturday with a quadruple header from Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. And this is going to be unofficially hosted by Ohio State University. Allow me to be politically correct, if you will, and say the Ohio State University, so I don't upset the pundits in Columbus out there. And the reason why it's in Columbus is because Carmen's crew, Ohio State's alumni team, are the defending champions as they won TBT last year, ending an incredible run from overseas elite after they had won the first four championships in the event's history. So it all gets underway again in Columbus, Nationwide Arena, on Saturday... Again, starts at 3 o'clock. And if you saw my tweets on Twitter, the thread that I had, there are 11 players from the new Big East who will be competing in this year's TBT, including four who will be suiting up for last year's tournament runner-up, Golden Eagles, which is Marquette's alumni team. And those four guys... I believe three of them making their returns to the team, Andrew Rousey, Jamil and Derek Wilson, and Luke Fisher, and make sure to stick around because after this segment, I got my interview with Luke Fisher that you'll definitely want to listen to. That'll be coming up shortly. Uh, So, Luke Fisher will be joining Golden Eagles for the very first time, and he'll kind of explain what led him to finally joining. And, believe it or not, kind of a crazy story in terms of accepting a position on the team. It's not like he wasn't offered it in the past. It's just, you know, finally the timing goes right for him to finally play. Here in 2020, unlike, you know, in past years, last year, even the year before. So, on top of that, seven other former New Big East players, including three from Xavier. Remy Abel, who will be back on Sideline Cancer. And last year, Sideline Cancer, as one of the lower seeds in the tournament, competing in the Wichita Regional... They upset Wichita State's alumni team in Wichita. Um, the team called the Aftershocks. But they ended up losing in the round of 16 to, ironically enough, Golden Eagles. And then the other two Xavier alumni, both will be playing for Everline Drive. Two guys that last played for Xavier in 2018 and have experience in the G League. And those guys are Kaiser Gates and JP McCura. And I know, I mean, for most Biggies fans outside of Xavier, just the name JP McCura draws a lot of ire. But to see a guy like him take the court and finally, you know, get exposed, you know, to a much bigger audience now, because this is going to be the only live basketball that's going to be going on until. The NBA restarts at the end of the month. I think it'll be a good way to reintroduce basketball fans to the essence of J. P. Macura, you know, the kind of fierce competitor he was and even the agitator that he was and arguably still is on the court. And I, for one, even though me and him, um, we might have gotten into a spat or two, you know when I was a student. You know, I have a lot of respect for him and the game that he has and plays. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing him on the court on TV again. I really am. And then the other four alumni, you've got Kellen Dunham, who will be suiting up for Big X. Dunham played for the Butler Bulldogs from 2012 to 16, and is fifth on the Butler all-time scoring list, notably behind Kamar Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin actually passed Dunham towards the end of this past season, and then a younger teammate of Dunham during his time at Butler, Keelan Martin, who is second on the Bulldogs' all-time scoring list. Other notables, Mo Watson will be competing in TBT yet again, playing for Brotherly Love, a team comprised of Philadelphia natives and the former Blue Jay. Again, he grew up in Philly, uh, started his college career at Boston U before transferring to Creighton, where he was actually leading the country in assists before his season ended abruptly due to a torn ACL in a game on MLK Day of 2017 at Xavier. And had he not torn his ACL, man, that Creighton team could have been something. Because when he went down, and they won that game at Xavier, by the way, they were 18-1. and one. And without him, the wheels came off. Because he was their senior leader and, again, leading the country in assists. But instead, you know, the Blue Jays faltered. You know, only won 10 games in conference after starting off 5-1. and one. And, you know, albeit they ended up making this to the biggest Championship game, they still got knocked out in the first round of the NCAA Tournament by Rhode Island. And had they had a healthy Watson... Man, I really believe that team had Final Four potential, but second weekend at bare minimum in terms of reaching the Sweet 16 at least. Again, with a healthy Mo Watson. And then the other two... Billy Garrett Jr., the DePaul legend who... Made DePaul the slightest bit relevant and competitive in the Big East during his time there from 2013 to 17. And it's kind of wild that during that four-year stretch, the Blue Demons were 14-58 and in conference play. The next worst team during that stretch was St. John's, and they had twice as many wins during that stretch. And a lot of that... A lot of those wins were because of Billy Garrett, who was arguably the best free-throw shooter in the conference during his final year or two at DePaul. The Chicago native will be suiting up for Illinois' alumni team, House of Pain, and spelled P-A-I-G-N, in reference to Champaign, Illinois, where the Mm -hmm. University of Illinois is located. And then finally, the only Big East alum from one of the East Coast schools in the Big East and one of the original Big East members, um, a recent graduate of St. John's, Bashir Ahmed. He will be suiting up for playing for Jimmy V. And playing for Jimmy B, uh, G- Jimmy V, excuse me. They were a bit of a late replacement as best Virginia withdrew from the tournament. So playing for Jimmy V took their place and Bashir Ahmed, a native of the Bronx and a guy who transferred coming out of Juco and played his final two years with the red storm under Chris Mullen. He will be again, playing for playing for Jimmy V. So, Those are the Big East alumni from the new Big East era who will be participating in TBT in 2020. Uh, I talked about Golden Eagles. Marquette's alumni team has been really successful in TBT over the years. Again, they came so close last year, ended up losing in the championship game against Carmen's crew the Ohio State alumni team. Now, let's take a look at the possible road to redemption for Golden Eagles in this tournament. They are going to be in the upper half of this bracket. And they're going to be starting off uh, facing off against the winner between primetime players and Team CP3. Uh, Team CP3, Chris Paul, the point guard of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and of course, you know, from the past, you know, the New Orleans Hornets, the LA Clippers, and the Houston Rockets as well. Again, he's the GM of this team, putting together a team of guys from mainly North Carolina schools, uh, a decent amount from Wake Forest, Um, UNC Greensboro, among others. Meanwhile, primetime players, they are uh, coached by Chris Thomas, who's also the GM. uh, To get you familiar with, you know, some of their players. Again, a lot of guys from schools in the Carolinas. And a couple, um, one from Texas Tech and another from Mount St. Mary's, but You had Christian Keeling from North Carolina, a few guys from Wingate, one from USC Upstate, and another from uh, Charleston Southern. Uh, But overall, I mean, given, you know, the talent that, you know, CP3 recruited for his roster this year, you know, Several guys from Wake Forest again. Several guys from UNC Greensboro, including and on top of that, uh, Sam Hunt from North Carolina State, Nate Mason from Minnesota, and Aaron Roundtree the third from Iona. Uh, they will be playing for uh, Team CP3. My guess is I, I'm going to take Team CP3 and with Golden Eagles, just with that group, you know, Jamil Wilson. Darius Johnson-Odom, and a 38-year-old Travis Diener who was on Marquette's 2003 Final Four team with Dwayne Wade. 38 years old and can still ball out. And we saw that last year as he made clutch shot after clutch shot to help lead his team to the championship game of TBT. And... I really think that's going to end up setting them up for a rematch with Eberline Drive. And Eberline Drive, obviously, I mentioned J.P. McCura and Kaiser Gates uh, as part of their roster. On top of that, they have two former LSU Tigers, Tim Quarterman and Emmett Williams, Shaq Buchanan, who is a teammate of John Moran at Murray State. Dusty Hannes from Arkansas. Jerron Johnson out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, Tay Odiasi from UIC. And then Adonis Thomas from Memphis uh, round out that roster. And I I really like the fact that they could set up a rematch with Carmen's crew. I think it'll be exciting television. Uh, to see that semifinal game be that championship rematch, I think it'll be awfully exciting. And if I'm being honest with you, I really do believe that you know these team, the top four were you know properly put in the top four. Now the question is, were they seated properly based on talent? Because Overseas Elite, yes, I know they're the number two seed in this. But with the talent they got, oh my goodness. I mean, they're a runaway one seed. And I I mean, I think they should be an overwhelming favorite. Even over Carmen's crew. I mean, just look at some of the talent they got. I mean, they have three former St. John's players, you know, from the old Big East era. And make it a fourth. And... I, I didn't see this edition until literally today, (laughs) and it's the 12th former uh, New Big East guy who will be suiting up, and guess who it is, Sir Dominic Pointer, who will be suiting up for Overseas Elite, along with uh, Paris Horn, Justin Burrell, and DJ Kennedy. And my guess is, I think DJ Kennedy uh, got taken off the roster, so Sir Dominic Pointer replaces him. That's my guess. And here are two other guys that are going to be on overseas elite. And you're not going to believe this. Jarrett Jack and Joe Johnson. And keep in mind, Joe Johnson made the NBA All-Star team multiple times in his career. So, saying that Overseas Elite is stacked, man, that is an understatement. And, I mean, I like to plug the fact that, hey, Sir Dominic Pointer's on this team, and he was a former guest of mine on the Igloo. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. But, and then Beheim's Army is going to be another team to watch. And I know a thing or two about that team because, I mean, every single guy on that team, was pretty much guys that I grew up watching. You know, in my childhood, guys like Eric Dievendorf, Dante Green. Um, trying to think of who else. What uh, who else is on this year's team? I know there's there's a lot of younger guys on this year's team, including uh, Tyler Lydon, Andrew White, uh, who were. Very recent graduates. Oh, and Demetrius Nichols, another older alum. Uh, same with Brandon Trish and another major acquisition for Beheim's Army this year was getting Malachi Richardson, who had a monster run in the 2016 NCAA tournament, leading a Cinderella run for the Orange, who were a ten seed in the tournament, all the way to the Final Four, where... In the Elite Eight, where they upset top seed Virginia, it seemed like Malachi Richardson on Easter Sunday in Chicago just could not miss. So there's going to be a lot of competition, and Luke Fisher uh, and uh, a guest of mine who will be on the next episode as he'll give me some insight to you know, how his TBT experience went last year with sideline cancer and what he's gearing up for this year, returning to sideline cancer. Uh, Remy Abel will be on the show on the next episode tomorrow as his team will take the court on Sunday for their opening game against team Heinz. Uh, so uh, that's my TBT preview and coming up next. I've got my interview with Luke Fisher who will join Golden Eagles for the first time for TBT this year. So don't go anywhere. That interview is coming up next here on the Igloo. Welcome back inside the Igloo. TBT starts on the 4th of July, a sport that was birthed here in the United States, ironically by a Canadian, but nonetheless it was born in Springfield, Massachusetts here in the U S of a and on the 4th of July, America's birthday. Live Sports is finally back. It is TBT starting in Columbus, Ohio. 24 teams vying for the championship. And one of the teams expected to be a favorite is Golden Eagles, Marquette's alumni team. They are the number four seed out of those 24 teams. And they were last year's runner-up. And joining me now is is one of the guys, a Marquette alum, who will be suiting up for Golden Eagles for the very first time in TBT from the class of 2017 of Marquette. Uh, Joining me now, uh, quarantine in Columbus, Ohio, the site of the 2020 TBT, Luke Fisher. Luke, uh, I know it's been quite a crazy situation you've had to deal with so far, uh, leading up to the start of this tournament. But I'm glad you're taking time out of your schedule to join me to talk about this.
1: No, absolutely. Um, honestly, I'm I'm really excited too because I have had nothing to do all day, and um, this gives me an excuse to to talk basketball. So I love it.
0: I mean, I I can, I can guarantee because of daytime, like there can't be much on TV.
1: There's, I, I swear, I've seen the same thing on ESPN three hours in a row. So. <laughs> uh, already gone through two Netflix shows and and ESPN's just doing reruns. So, all
0: right, what Netflix? What Netflix shows though?
1: Uh, so I watched uh, that Jeffrey Epstein show yesterday. Um, really messed up stuff. Really creepy. Um, yeah, be warned. And then uh, I watched that new Will Ferrell um, Eurovision movie. And that was that was that was okay. If you're looking for like a little a uh, little light comedy. I think that was, it's it's solid.
0: All right. All right. Well, um, before we get into TBT, I definitely want to talk to you about obviously your whole Marquette career and you didn't start off with Marquette. Um, Originally you committed to Indiana and were, and you were only there for a semester before you left for Marquette. Um, What was the process uh, leaving Bloomington and uh, making a return back to your home state of Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, it was really hard. Um, I I went home for for Christmas break, and you know, I, I got like maybe two days at home, and um, I was kind of battling this feeling like I don't know if I if I really want it. If I'm really happy in in Indiana, and you know, if I really want to keep playing there, and um i was i was really close to not saying anything to my parents but uh you know eventually i did and um you know they they were fully supportive of me and they just said you know if if you're not happy there like let's let's get you someplace where where you where you want to be and um you know it it was it was sad because uh, i fell in love with bloomington i still love the school i mean it's beautiful it's 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 a great school um but the whole the whole basketball part for me just didn't work out Um, i wasn't loving the game anymore and um I guess kind of when that happened you knew something was was wrong um so it it was it was tough to leave Um, but i ended up at marquette and honestly i couldn't have been more happy um i loved every second i was there um you know that school always means so much to me and um you know it really really is my second home
0: um so you arrived there for your second semester Um, And because of NCAA rules, you couldn't step right in and play right away. So you kind of had to watch um, from the sidelines. And that was the first year of the new Big East. Obviously, growing up, I'm assuming as a basketball fan, and obviously you must have been familiar with the old Big East. I mean, Germantown, Mm -hmm. not your hometown, not not that far from Milwaukee. So you Mm -hmm. obviously were familiar with, you know, the old Big East not considering Mark was a part of it, but uh, from the sidelines, uh, what were you, you know, kind of learning about, you know, this new Big East and um, getting to see it come to fruition, um, you know, in its first stages during uh, the 2014 season? Uh,
1: That it was no joke. I mean, when you got um, McDermott lighting us up, you got um, guys on Butler lighting us up, all of a sudden you think okay like you know here are these small schools that are from these you know middle conferences before and you know, we should be winning by 20 and all of a sudden uh, it was one of Marquette's worst years when they should have been a top 25 team all year long with with the talent that they had and um, you really learn that you know it, this, this maybe it was a step down in names you know with, with teams like Syracuse leaving and stuff like that but Competition wise, it it got even more cutthroat, I believe, especially um, as the years went on when, um, you know, you had like Villanova at the top. uh, But then those two through six seeds were always fighting for position. And um, with only 10 teams in there, it became a battle every single night.
0: Yeah, I mean, that kind of became and it still is a theme for the conference. And it's been like that for the last seven years but when you finally became eligible there was a bit of a transitional period before that though and we talked about this you know before um we started um this interview um where this was buzz williams final year at marquette before he left and took the job at virginia tech uh so you didn't really get a chance to play for buzz and when you finally became eligible there's a new sheriff in town, uh, as the head coach of your squad. And it was Steve Wojciechowski, a young fiery coach who has learned under the very best in coach K. Um, obviously it must've been a really tough transition, but what made you, um, trust, uh, Wojo? I, I, again, I can't stress enough. Just a coaching change is always a tough situation to deal with, but, what was it like stepping into that situation with a new head coach and somewhat of a different system and mentality?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, I I couldn't have been happier when Will Joe got the job. Um, he, I remember I got an alert on my phone um, during class one morning saying that he got the job and uh, you know, then I after that class I go get breakfast somewhere and um also I get a call and it's some some random number, but it says North Carolina on it. So I kind of figured that this might be might be the guy. And um yeah, so we he said that I was the first person first player he called um uh, once he got the job and uh he just laid out that he had a lot of trust in me, that we were gonna try to do um a lot of good things together, uh, try to change the program around. Um and honestly, just from that moment on, you know, we we built a great friendship. We built a great coach-player relationship. Um, you know, I still talk to him. I still reach out to him. Um, and uh, it was it was great. You know, it, it the culture that he brought with him. It, it took time to set in, but right now, when I go back, when I see the guys playing, I mean, I can see that it's fully there. Uh, and and that's a really hard thing to do to to come in and completely change a whole program around and the whole culture around. Um, and he gets a lot of flack. I, I know that. He always has, uh, you know, half of Marquette hates him. Other half love him. I'm on that, I'm on that loving side. And, um, you know, I, I want him to do the best for the university as long as possible.
0: Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more, you know, um, he's been able to have great success, you know, over the years, but that first year though was a really, really tough year for you guys. You only finished four and 14 in conference. I think a 12 and 18 regular season record. Uh, you only won one game on the road, the entire conference season, which was against my pirates. And thanks for ruining my birthday weekend, by the (laughs) way. Uh, I turned nine, I think I turned 19 like two days before that game. And, um, what I do remember, and the funny thing was, you won that game without Matt Carlino because he got a concussion at Nova a few days before that. Um, uh, by the way, I, I, and I wanted to ask a quick question about that. When he took that tumble, was that one of the scarier things you've ever seen on court? I was,
1: I was right there, I think, and I mean, it, it happened right in front of my eyes, and I, I was, I was real scared for him. Luckily, I think he popped right up pretty soon after. I think he, you know he was on the ground a little bit, but um, you know, thank God he he got up. Without any issues, uh, I believe I was his roommate too on that trip, and um, you know he, he was just saying like, man, you know like, like I want to play, I want to play, I, I feel okay, I feel I feel like I can do it, uh, and then you know he would he would try to shoot a basketball or something, and it, you know you could you could tell he was just out of it, um, but yeah, thank God he was okay after that because that was a nasty fall
0: yeah I mean he the dude landed right on his head. I mean mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, I remember watching that like literally in my dorm room. I'm just like i literally – like like i my body like physically just tensed up. I was like, oh yeah. it was it was it was i mean it was bad right. um but on the bright side though, I mean, you know, fast forward a month later um in the big East tournament though at least, again, you have some more fun at my expense at least, um yeah. and you guys throttled Seton Hall. Um, in that first round in the Big East tournament. And uh, that must have been a really fun game for you guys because, I mean, everyone was getting bears. You, you were getting a lot of touches down low and doing I mean doing a lot to pester a young Angel Delgado. And then uh, Carlino and Derek Wilson were both brilliant that night. I think Wilson had like 12 or 13 assists that night and Carlino hit eight three-pointers um but uh just leaving the court in the garden that night um you know uh, what were you feeling just you know after such a tough time during the regular season then finally getting um a win where you guys were actually you know dominant from start to finish
1: i mean we felt great like honestly like uh i mean i don't know how you camped after a game like that um you know, we felt like, okay, like, let's keep this momentum going. Like we got Villanova the next day. Let's, you know, like, you know, we we can do this. We can compete with them. Uh, and, you know, that really wasn't the case. I think, you know, we got, we ended up getting throttled by like 30, but, um, you know, it, it, it felt good to, to end our season on, on a high note like that. Um, you know that's that's all you can really ask for when you know that that's the end of your season no matter what is in Madison Square Garden right there uh, unless like a miracle happens um so to look back on that season and to remember that game it was it was nice especially for our seniors to go out like that um to have one of those one of those nice games um where everyone was just playing well
0: yeah and I, I know you guys had a game at the Garden earlier in the year where you played at St. John's, but I I can only imagine it must have been such a different feeling walking onto onto that court for the Big East tournament for the first time.
1: Yeah, and it it, it was. You know, it's always been such a special tournament. You you know, you see all the highlights from the old Big East. You you I mean, just from after what's happened. Um, since, since I've been there and, and when I was there, just all the all the classic games, all the great plays, um, you know, there's a reason why it's been played at the Garden for so long. And uh, it's, just, it's just a special place for Big East basketball.
0: I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, so, obviously, year one of that transition with Wojo, it's a tough time and, and it's kind of expected and you guys weren't really picked that high to begin with. Now the following year, now you get a little bit of hype. You got a, a younger team, but a team mm-hmm. with a lot of talent, and you guys bring in a really, really talented freshman by the name of Henry Allenson that forms a bit of, like, a Twin Towers group with you. You know, to have a power forward and a center in the Big East at 6'11", you know, that, you know, that doesn't happen often. Um, you guys had your rough patch early on in Noncon con where Belmont and Iowa beat you at home, but, you know, you rattled off everything off um after that you know including beating a ben simmons led lsu team in brooklyn and winning that legends classic i think he beat arizona state strangely enough in the in the championship um but conference play again um you know after having a solid non-con where you went you only lost those two games um wasn't smooth sailing where you guys were up and down but Um, You guys were able to, you know, still finish with a 20-win season at 20 and 13. Um, Granted, conference play didn't really treat you the way you wanted to, but uh, overall, you know, as you were heading into your senior year, I mean, at least if I were you, at least, I would have gotten the sense that um, the trajectory of the program was definitely trending in the way that, you know, Wojo was telling you it would and you know, the sense that a lot of people wanted it to.
1: For sure. Um, you know, I, I remember being devastated after um, my junior year was over um, because, you know, we, here we are, we're a 21 team. We have one of the best young players in the country. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're at least going to get the, into NIT, you know, and if we get into NIT, we could win some games. Um, that that wasn't the case. We had, a, we had a bad loss to DePaul at home. Um, I that,
0: remember that too. Oh, freaking Billy Garrett, man.
1: Garrett um so that that ruined our chances uh that's what all the experts were saying at least um which really sucked because uh you know we it it was it was a good group of guys we had I mean I think we were one of the youngest teams in the country um and uh the next year a couple of them ended up transferring and kind of you know Henry went to the NBA so um it kind of broke up that group a little bit with with some stuff which which was sad but um yeah, going into my senior year, um, I mean, I knew that this was kind of, you know, a make it or break it part of of, of my career. You know, not I, I just couldn't stand not getting to a, a tournament game. Um it it was it would it would have drove me crazy because in high school I I I won two state championships. I, I we lost two games in my career and I, I I hated losing so much in college that um you know, I was, I was, I needed that. I needed to end on a high note with with getting to the tournament. So, um, I mean, it, it was also a tough year. That was, that was the hardest year of of my career for sure. Just the ups and downs, and um, my personal playing and and the team playing. Um, but but we made it there at the end.
0: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Like, I really thought you guys should have been an IT team that year as well. I know Creighton got the nod potentially <laughs> over you. But I feel like you guys should have been at least in the NIT because with the talent you guys had and everything, like you guys got absolutely robbed. And I feel like that might have lit a fire under you guys uh, going into that 2017 season. And in a way, especially with, you know, Andrew Rousey becoming eligible and then also, you know, the addition of a guy that ended up you know, you could literally put him on the Marquette Mount Rushmore. Now Marcus Howard, um, yep. that yep. ended up being a game changing, um, you know, roster turnover, even though, yes, you lost a couple guys, you know, I think Sandy Cohen was one of them. Um, but still, you know, in your knock not con nine and three. I mean, it was decently challenging though. You know, he played some decent competition. Yep. Uh, you played, um, I believe it was the 2K Classic, I believe, against, oh. what was it, Pitt and then Michigan, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we lost. I think we we played Michigan first and we lost to them, and then and we lost to Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh ended up having a terrible year in the ACC, so that looked, that looked real bad. I but, mean, but
0: you, you bounce back either way yeah. in, in conference play. And, you know, for Wojo, he kind of lacked those signature wins. Um <laughs> the year before you guys had swept Providence and the one win that you guys had on the road when they were ranked eighth in the country, I think they were like 14 and one overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't really pan out the way you guys wanted to, cause they kind of crumbled down the stretch, but I, I think going into that year, I think Wojo and, you know, third time around, he really needed that one big win that would validate him as a head coach. And on January 24th, 2017, mm-hmm. He finally got just that and in honestly, one of the best biggies games I have ever seen, yeah. um, when you guys took down number one Villanova at the Bradley Center. Um, and that's still a game that everyone talks about with such reverence. Um, what were your memories from from that night and you know pulling off a stunning comeback against the defending national champs?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously the most special game that I've been a part of at Marquette. Um, and just, I mean, there, there was a energy in that building since once, once, once there was a tip off, uh, we were, we were in it with them right away. Um, I know it was, it was a little back and forth battle, um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, it's funny is we were just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing another podcast or another like live broadcast with some of the the radio guys from Marquette and they were redoing the, that game as well. So we were, you know, watching it and talking to it. And that was, that was the first time I rewatched it since I played in it. Um, but just that second half and really that last like seven minutes was unbelievable how, um, you know, we were playing a one three one zone and luckily Villanova, I think had one three against us all night, uh, something was just off for them. And, um, we were able to chip away and chip away and hit some huge, huge shots. I know Kate and Reinard had a huge shot at the end of the game, with including the go-ahead free throws. Uh, Sam Hauser had a huge shot, um, so it was such a special game to be a part of. And um, yeah, truly one. I obviously I'll never forget it.
0: And Sam was the one that grabbed the decisive rebound at the very end yes. when that. Um, like that that tipping was literally about like inches away from uh, rolling in.
1: I thought it was. I thought it was going in from the from the from the baseline or sideline. I thought, I thought that ball was going in. And watching it uh, over again, it, I, I it really. I don't know how it didn't. To be honest with you,
0: I mean, sometimes physics can help you and hurt, or, yeah. or sometimes it can hurt you. But this time it did help you. But, um, I can't even imagine. Um, you know, I talked to Andrew Rousey about this before, but I can't even imagine what from your perspective the storming of the court like that must have been just nothing nothing short of a a zoo um you know getting that swarm of humanity all on top of you um were you rather unscathed out of that
1: so i remember um as soon as that buzzer went off I, i i think i ran i hugged someone i don't know who it was uh and then i jumped up on the scorers table Uh, and then I ended up going into the stands right where my family was. Uh, so I was able to, you know, you know, hug my family, hug my girlfriend at the time. And, um, you know, I was, I was up there with them while the whole court storming was going on. Um, so I missed the real court storm. I was never a part of it. Um, but you know, on my way back through the locker room and stuff, I, I was in that crazy mess. And, um, I mean, it, it it's something every college player dreams of doing. That's for sure is, is to be part of a court storm. Um, And you see some, some teams do it when they beat a top five team, but there's truly nothing like it when you beat the number one team in the country at your home floor. I mean, it is,
0: it is amazing. I mean, and and to be fair, I mean, you did do the right move as Obi-Wan Kenobi would say you did get the high ground. So Yeah. um, yeah, I mean, you did. You did manage to avoid. I mean, yes. you never know. It was you know, some kids are crazy, man.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not mad about what I did. I'm perfectly happy with that. I. I don't mind avoiding that mess right away.
0: Fair enough. But um, now I know you mentioned uh, your then girlfriend at the time, and I. I think it's a good transitional period because your final home game, at the BMO Harris Bradley Center, taking on Creighton with a chance to, you know, assert yourself you know, move up positioning-wise for the Big East tournament because I think going into that day, there was – let's see. It was a four-way tie for third at the time. Um, I think Xavier was in that – actually, no, it was a three-way tie for fourth between you, Seton Hall, and Providence. And Creighton was holding on to that three spot. But if you guys Mm -hmm. beat them, you know, that would have helped you uh, with Big East tournament seeding. And you guys got the sweep took care of business against the Jays. And considering it was your senior day. I mean, not only did you have that sweet victory, uh, you also had a pretty sweet moment after the game as well as, yep. um, I mean, I don't know if you want to tell the story yourself, or I just want to, you know, fill in the details and kind of ask you, you know, what that moment was like.
1: Yeah, I know. I can tell it for sure. sure. All um, right, yeah. Go know, ahead. yeah um, so I was with my girlfriend, this, I mean, we were dating all throughout college. We met actually at Indiana. Um, we lived on the same dorm room floor at IU, um, stayed in touch when I left. Uh, she ended up transferring to Milwaukee as well uh, for her junior senior year. So we were together um, obviously way closer then. Um, and, you know, during our senior year, we, we knew that we were serious and uh, we started talking about rings and stuff. And uh, I ended up getting one and I had it for a couple of weeks, and I, I didn't know when I wanted to do it. Because, um, I mean, honestly, all the guys would, would tease me and mess with me about doing it on senior night. They, they're just like, yeah, you, you know, you're going to do it on a senior. Are going to do it on a senior night? I'd always be like, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but anyways, um, we get to the game, and uh, her whole family actually comes into town. Um, you know, they most of them live in Indianapolis, so um her brother, her sister, their their families are with them. Uh so it's it's a quite a big crowd. And um, you know, the night before the game, um I'm hanging out with their family. I was able to sneak her dad away and and you know, ask him if I if I had his permission. Uh gentleman's and,
0: move, I respect that.
1: Yep, yep. So he, he you know, he he was he was really easy on me, thank God. Uh it, it didn't take much for for him to be convinced. Um and I told him, you know, if we win tomorrow, I'm gonna do it. And, you know, uh, I don't know if he thought I meant at the game or after the game or or when. Um, but then I I talked with my mom. I'm like, all right, mom, like you gotta hold on to the ring. If we win, you gotta give it to Kate and Reinhardt's fiance, who will somehow get it to me on the court, and then you gotta somehow get Peyton, my wife, to the court as well. Uh, so, anyways, it honestly lined up perfectly where. Um, I grabbed a mic from Wojo because I just want, I wanted to thank the fans on senior night anyways. Uh, and then one thing led to another. I started talking about her and um, yeah, got down on a knee and almost, I mean, it's been two years. We've only almost been married two years now. So it, it's, uh, it's a crazy, goes by fast. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, obviously um, I didn't see, I, I know, obviously I knew you guys won the game. I watched it, but um well, actually, no. I didn't. I only watched parts of it. Seeing Hall was on at the same exact time at mm-hmm. Butler, so um, I couldn't even imagine what the reaction at the Bradley Center was like when that happened.
1: I, I, I mean, rewatching the video, you hear you hear some some good cheers. So that that's always a good thing. You don't want to hear any boos going on for that, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it was it was really special for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think. The latter, I mean, winning the game was sweet, but obviously, you know what was sweeter. Yeah. Um, but I, I think on top of that, I think that definitely validated you guys being in the NCAA tournament and, like, now you finally get, yeah. you know, what you've been waiting three years for. And, you know, hearing your name called on Selection Sunday for the first time in four years, actually, for the program, uh, uh, what was it like uh, to, you know, you know watch the selection show and see Marquette? Uh, pop up on your TV screen, and um, were you guys having like some sort of watch party to see where you guys were going to head?
1: Yep, for sure. We we we're having a watch party with um, you know all the team, um, all the uh, all the all the like the boosters and our families were invited as well. And um, I'm just happy that our name was chosen relatively quickly. You know, we didn't have to wait around. I I, I think Xavier was the last team. That it was. And I, I, I couldn't have handled that. I would have had a heart attack. Um, but, yeah, and I, honestly, I felt really confident, too. I was like, you know what? what? Like, we got, we got South Carolina. Um, they've been struggling lately. And I felt like we had a great path the whole tournament. Um, especially, I mean, honestly, it felt like destiny because Duke would have been our second-round game. And it just it felt like, okay, Wojo well, and Coach K have to play each other at some point. Like, it might as well be now. Um, so, everyone was, everyone was looking forward to that. But I've, um, that didn't happen. South Carolina beat us. South Carolina beat Duke. And then they ended up going to the Final Four. So, um, if you're going to lose to someone, you might as well lose to the Final Four team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. And I can't even imagine, you know, being in Greenville for that game. I mean, it literally yeah. – it was a road game for you guys
1: it was and they were I mean you could tell you could tell uh you were a couple hours away from their campus and um not really sure how that how that really worked out but um you know we we blew a uh, we blew a solid lead in the first in the first half we were playing well and uh in the second half they just took over and, and we we couldn't bounce back
0: yeah I mean listen um wasn't a good week for uh, Big East teams in Greenville. No. As me- I mean, Seton Hall was there also. Um, I mean, and I made the trip for. I mean, me. literally, me and uh, four of my friends. We drove twelve hours wow. during the middle during the middle of the night because um, much of us had night class on Thursday. We drove, you know, twelve hours to Greenville. Showed up about in Greenville like two hours before tip off because we were the we were the one thirty game. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm just curious, by the way. Uh, did you see what happened at the end of that game? Were you watching it?
1: I, I'm I'm sure I, I was. It, when you when you say when you just ask me like, do you remember what happened? I, well, I well, I'm talking I'm talking
0: about the uh, the Desi Rodriguez foul that got upgraded to a flagrant one.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's coming back to me.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean. I mean, granted, I, you're probably going to have to, like, watch it back or whatever, uh-huh. but, I mean, I I witnessed it live and I will still hold it to this day. And, you know, they that was the headline on SportsCenter, like, you know, during the afternoon of, you know, yeah. how badly Seton Hall got screwed um, yeah. in that game. Um, but, I mean, from your perspective, at least, I mean, I can't even imagine if that was you um, that was, you know, committing this foul to try to, you know, send a team to the line and, mm-hmm. you know, um, buy yourself some time and stay in the game and you know it was just a common foul and now the refs go to the monitor and they upgrade to a flagrant I can't even imagine how you would feel in that moment
1: uh yeah I mean I would be outraged I know I I mean first thing that popped my head is is Wojo would probably have been ejected that's <laughs> that would have happened um I'm surprised no one else was but um no yeah I mean now that now that you say that I remember it and uh yeah that was that was messed up honestly
0: yep I mean to be fair, I mean, the Big East and referees, uh, last at least the last couple of years. I'll be honest, haven't been so great. Um, but uh, before I talk about your pro career, I mean, obviously um, losing to South Carolina. I mean, obviously looking back, not so bad considering the run that they went on. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, but just any, just having to deal with like the end of your college career was um, just really tough. And um, and I and I ask this to every Every former player I've interviewed, but um, uh, how hard was it? You know, taking off that jersey for the last time.
1: It's it's extremely hard. Uh, I remember coming out of the game for the last time, and I I started crying. And uh, I remember guys are guys are tweeting at me and everything, like you know, you're such a baby. You're you know, yada yada yada. Like you know, keep crying. And I'm just like you, like, like I would do the I'll same
0: cry? shit. I'd cry. Yeah
1: exactly like it you know you you give yourself to this this university to this program to these to these other teammates of yours for four years and you know all of a sudden it's over you know like at one minute it could be you could be winning by five ten points and at the end of the game you could still lose and um just to know that that whole chapter of your life and of basketball is is done um it's emotional um but you know i remember uh, I, I did a, I did a press conference after that game too, and I was sitting in in the back with Wojo Joe, and um, you know he was just like he looked over to me he goes you know I know this isn't how you wanted to do it, but you you made a huge change like you you changed the program like you you know you, you reassuring me that it, it might be over, but that in the grand scheme of things like we did a huge task in completely turning the program around and. Uh, in just two years, three years, and um, you know, looking back, I, I, that's one of my proudest moments. We might not have been any of the best Marquette teams in history, um, but to say that we turned that program around and, and we found a way to do it um, and get it back on track is is really special.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could agree with you more. And honestly, I mean, from my personal standpoint, um, so my senior year, I also um, – I went back to the tournament uh, flew out to Wichita to see Seton Hall play. And uh, uh, similar to the way South Carolina had basically had a home game against you guys in Greenville, Kansas had a virtual – basically a home game against us out in Wichita. And, um, you know, we held our own for the entire game. And honestly, you know um, – I kind of knew by the end, you know, we were going to lose because Luke hit a big three, and, you know, that was kind of a dagger. But, you know, these guys wouldn't go away. Kadeem Carrington just went off in the last minute. But as, uh, like, Willard was waving the white flag, you know, pulled him and some of the seniors off. And But to me, like, when I saw Kadeem check off the court and hug Willard, like, dude, I, I fucking lost it. Yeah. Like, um, so, I mean, the same way that, you know, you broke down into tears, I did the same exact thing and I didn't even play, man. So I totally relate to that. Um, But I will, I will ask you this though. Um, You know, like I talked about, you know, officiating and whatnot in the biggies, most of the time it's pretty good. Other times it's pretty bad. And um, the one instance that I don't know if you watched this or not, but the biggie semifinals last year between Marquette and Seton Hall, um, where, um, I, I can't even imagine how you would react um, if that were you playing in the game. Um, I know um, I just spoke with Matt Helton not too long ago about that game, since he actually played in it. Yeah. Uh, but just from watching it at home, um, I can't. Even, uh, what was going through your head and just uh, watching that game just unravel and turn into a mess?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I don't know. I can't remember if I watched it live or not, but I definitely I remember seeing it, and that's uh, one with like Theo kind of give me a little nudge in the air, right? Like, yeah, the Powell. yeah, yeah, and so, I mean, honestly, from, from my perspective, from just playing, like, it didn't look like much to me. Um, obviously, like, anytime you're in the air, and you get hit, it's, it's, you're gonna be flying, so I, I totally understand, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing, it's, it's, it's uh, not always the, the best thing, and, um, you know, I, I would get hit in the air all the time, it'd piss me off, um so it it definitely escalated more than I thought it should have but uh you know honestly like sometimes those those little things it's it's a nice little rivalry moment it's a nice little big yeast moment uh, so um
0: I mean I yeah, think the yeah, the, I, the bigger mess was that like everything that happened after
1: that's w- right like
0: like because like I think if I counted it all like there were like over 50 fouls over 80 foul shots yeah, yes like I, I just feel like if if that were me, at least, I would just be, like, an incredibly annoyed, number one. And number two, just – I if that were me – I mean, I was watching that at home. I'm like, let this nightmare be over. Because the game didn't get over. I mean, it's a 9 o'clock tip, and it didn't end till after midnight Eastern. That's wild. Yeah. Um, but um, – how would, how would you say the officiating was in the biggies during your playing time?
1: I mean, I I would I would say I would be more frustrated than not with it. Um, I think a lot of times I would I would have to play differently than what I wanted to. Um, you know, I picked up a foul right away. I you know I knew okay like I got to be safe and then. Me trying to be safe, I pick up number two, and I'm like, "All right, well, now I'm I'm done till the second half." Like, um, I, you know, I just felt like there'd be some random nights where the ref just had it out for me, and I had no idea why. um And you know, being just usually the biggest or bigger guy on the court, and, and going up for blocks, and I don't know. I I just remember being in foul trouble a lot. I remember averaging a lot of fouls, and I remember being. Taking a lot of time on the bench and just being like, you know, what the what the heck is going on right now? Like this, this shouldn't this shouldn't be this way. Like I had, you know, two three files that were really questionable, and um, here we are losing this game. So uh, a lot of times it was frustrating. Um, I know the job is way harder than than people make it seem, and um, yeah, it it's uh, it was frustrating at the time, but you know what what can you do it's part of the
0: game honestly so yeah and listen man like i mean i'm a, like i'm a basketball ref here at home now i mean granted mm-hmm. i'm not doing d1 basketball like i mean at highest i'm doing jv and you know you say uh, like it's obviously a lot harder than um you know it's made out to be i mean you actually like i learned it myself like you have to actually do it uh yep. to realize you know like how difficult of a job it is to you know officiate a basketball game no matter what the level is i mean sure and people are going to be giving you shit no matter what. And that's what I realized because my father's um, at the highest level he does for women's basketball is division three. So um, my best
1: friend, um, Mike Mackey, who's also, he was a walk-on for us. Uh, He's, he's a, a ref high school level, AAU. I think he does D2 and I mean, he wants to do D1 eventually. So um, I mean, listening to some of his stories are just incredible for what, what he has to do and what people, people go after him for.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like uh, some, some of it is just ridiculous, but I, I think what I've learned is, you know, after, after a while, you just kind of learn to just brush it off because at the end of the day, you know, 50% of the fans are going to love you. 50% of them yep. are not. So yep. um, uh. anyways, uh, moving on, I definitely uh, want to talk about um, obviously your this is going to be your first time uh, playing Um, in TBT, um, you've played, um, a couple years now overseas, um, in Germany. Um, so you've seen, you obviously seen a lot of Europe, but now you get finally get, get to play some ball here in the States, uh, playing with a a bunch of Marquette alum, um, Marquette alumni, I should say. Um, but, uh, how did you get the call and invite to, uh, play for these guys and, um, you know, what are you looking forward to most of this experience over the next week and a half?
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know, ever since I graduated college, the guys on this team and and the GM, um, another former player, have asked me to do it every summer. And um, I've never been healthy enough in the summer to do it until now. Um, so uh, I was actually sitting around one day at home, and, you know, I'm seeing all this stuff for TVT on Twitter, Twitter and I'm just like you know where where's Marquette where's why isn't Dan Fitzgerald texting me to ask me to play for him yet like what's what's going on and uh so I mean this wasn't that long ago maybe like a month ago I texted Travis Diener and I was just like hey man uh, what's the deal with with the TBG team are we doing it are you guys not doing it you know what's what's up uh and he texts me back he goes you want to play I go, yeah I want to play I'm I'm finally healthy I want to play for you guys he goes all right hold on and uh two seconds later, Dan Fitzgerald texts me. He's like, you want to play for us? I go, yeah, I want to play for you guys. Like, of course I want to play. He goes, all right, you're in. And then Travis texts me. He's like, you're in. I go, yeah, I'm in. He goes, all right, well, I think I'm going to play now too. Um, so it was just this whole funny little, you know, back and forth group thing where, um, you know, um, I think Travis is really on the fence after for playing, um, you know, being 38, uh, he, he was hurt a lot this past year overseas. Um, and, uh, I think he, I think he was going to do it no matter what, but he, he wanted, he really wanted to do it if we had a legitimate chance of winning it. Um, and I guess in his eyes, I was able to help him out with that. Um, and, uh, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's the case. So, um, yeah, we have, we have a really good, really good squad. Uh, I mean, all the pieces are there. We got size, we got athleticism, we got plenty of shooters. Um, so I think, uh, I think hopefully we can we can really make a run at this thing.
0: Yeah, and you know, um I just realized, you know, looking ahead, you know, you could potentially get, you know, in the semifinals if things add up, you know, even though you weren't a part of the team last year, you could you guys could get a potential championship rematch in the semifinal yep. round with Carmen's crew. Uh yep. so um have you guys been kinda, you know, looking ahead, assessing the competition or are you kind of like trying to lock in and go one game at a time?
1: No, we're we're for sure. For sure. I mean of course, you want to go one game at a time, but you gotta you gotta also look ahead. And uh, when the bracket first came out, you know, at first we were all like, you know, really a four seed. Like you would think the the runner up last year would get a little better than than the fourth overall seed. Um, but then after doing like a little bit more digging and, and stuff, we realized like, all right, we're actually in a pretty good spot here. We'd rather be on on this side of the bracket than than the other side. I think uh, I think our path is a little bit better. Um, yeah, you want to have to but, deal with overseas elite. Overseas elite is is stacked this year. I mean, I don't even know how many guys played overseas. It's more like you know NBA veterans, elite, all stars. Uh, Joe Johnson. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, if we get a chance at them, that will be that'll be one heck of a game. That'll be a ton of fun. Um, yeah, but it's uh, you know it's also tough because you know I think two teams have already been removed for for guys testing positive. Um, so it's it things could change at any time. Um, you know, games start in two days and and who knows if um if one of these teams will be will be knocked out before they could even play another game you know it it's It's just a crazy experiment, honestly, that they're doing here, and uh, i you know it's it's uh i I, don't, I just wouldn't want to be the guy in charge of all this because this would be a stressful, stressful thing to do.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think stressful would even be the right word to describe it if I'm being honest with you. But um, I will say this, though. um, And I'll pose this question to you also. Um, Like, from your perspective, um, like, how would you how would it feel for you, you know, to be part of the like first legitimate live team sporting event, you know, since um, this pandemic started back in March?
1: I mean, it's 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 incredibly exciting. Um, I mean, you think about there. There's been no, been no basketball, no, no. I mean, I think golf is really the sport that's been live so far. Yeah, um, and, and
0: like NASCAR.
1: And it. NASCAR, yeah. And so you think, okay, like NBA. What are NBA guys doing right now? I mean, they're they're gonna be practicing, but you know, at eight o'clock when when a basketball game's on, you know, those guys are gonna be watching it and. Um, it's, it's really exciting to think that, you know, these, these superstars that I grew up idolizing who are still playing and even, you know, the, the older guys that are retired and, you know, it, it's, it's going to be the talk of, of the week, you know, it's, it's a huge, it's, it's an honor, honestly, it, it really is an honor to, to be playing in this and, um, it's, it's great, great basketball, you know, just cause, just cause we're not NBA guys doesn't mean, you know, we can't play because, Uh, you see some of these names and some of these, these guys skills, and it is, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah. And um, I will say this though. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm from uh, this town called, well, it's a city actually called uh, Utica, New York. And that's an hour East of Syracuse. So like I grew up, you know, an hour from the dome. I, I, you know, I went to games growing up with my parents and season tickets and all that. So, and I know Bayheim's army, their alumni team, they're going to be in it. So honestly, um if there's anything and I I posted this on Facebook there's going to be two teams I'm rooting for this um like vehemently Bayheim's army for nostalgia purposes and then because of my love for the Big East obviously Golden Eagles I'm going to yeah. be covering you guys extensively um mm-hmm. and I mean Big East unity man I mean that's it's pretty simple and and you know like we talked about this you know when we were you know talking before um you know doing this interview today like when I was a student, like the games against you guys were always more fun because you guys actually had like a decent sense of humor. You weren't like bothered <laughs> about any jokes we yeah. make. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching, you know, you know, guys that I used to heckle, you know, in college, you know, you, sure. Rousey, uh, even Derek Wilson, um, even though I got only got to see him for one year, um, my freshman year. Um, but um, overall, um, like, what's the vibe just within the team? I mean, obviously, you know, you haven't really got got a chance to get settled um, in Columbus yet. But uh, overall, what's the vibe amongst all of you in terms of uh, what you what you guys can accomplish over the next, you know, two weeks here?
1: Yeah, and I mean, our our expectations are high. Uh, we we were doing a little training camp this past week, and you know, every day was we were saying like, uh and, you know, like be packed for two weeks. You know, if if you win this thing, you're you're here for two weeks. So, you know, be have have everything you need because uh, it's going to be hopefully a, a, a longer stay here. Because um, as soon as you lose, they send you to a different hotel and and you're you're out of here the next day. Um, so, you know, the longer you're in this hotel, the the better it's looking for you. And um, that's kind of the mentality that we have. That yeah, it's it's hard to be away from you know our families right now and. Um, especially for possibly two weeks during all this. But um, the prize the prize could be worth it, that's for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, and, and then, you know, speaking, you know, packing for two weeks, I hope as part of that packing, you at least had a bag for all the money you could possibly stuff in there. You,
1: you know what, I might just buy a new one if, if, I, if I get some extra money like that.
0: I mean, hey, I think that payout, I mean, at least for you guys, I mean, um, for each of the players, I feel like it's got to be, like, upwards of six figures, am I right?
1: So... I know this year they last year it was a two million prize. now it's like a one point three or something just with yeah um sponsors and stuff so um yeah I'm, I'm not as exactly sure what the what it is exactly, but um honestly any any type of prize money you know is is good prize money for sure so yeah,
0: I, yeah either way, it's a lot of it's a exactly. lot of money. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, being away from your family and I mean, I definitely wanted to talk about this because, you know, in the, you know, leading up to doing this interview, um, one of the coolest things I got to see, um, was, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, you got to have your first father's day. Um, so overall, uh, how, and you know, how did that feel just, to I mean, considering, you know, he had this long history, you know, you know, getting engaged on your senior day and you know fast forward three years later and uh you know first father's day in the books
1: yeah uh I mean it was it was so special um it was it was one of the best days I can remember um you know my wife did a great job for me she 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 made everything so so great so special so just she made me feel so loved and um you know my my little my little daughter she she's just super cute, super funny, love her to death, and, um, you know, we we had the most perfect day together, all, all three of us, so um, couldn't have asked for a better first Father's Day, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even imagine, like, after that just makes it that much harder, you know, to leave and pack up and get ready to, you know, uh, but at least – like the reason why you you had to go is because you know you know finally you get to you know lace them up and you know unlike playing in Europe now you get to play it you know back home in, in a yeah. way um, yeah. but yeah. uh so um uh, to wrap uh to wrap this up I know um before I ask you you know the you know parting question, I definitely want to do some rapid fire um in a segment that I like to call the cold seat um <laughs> uh so um uh getting into it right away um funniest teammate uh you were around in marquette
1: um cam murata
0: cam i've heard cam is just a riot
1: he is he's he's a he's a great dude um he was a, he was a walk-on for two years with me uh he's uh he's the, the, the what do you call it the the graduate assistant now um great guy great kid um been part of the Marquette family for, for his whole life. His dad played way back when. So, um, yeah, great, great dude.
0: All right. Uh, favorite place to play on the road in the big East.
1: Um, I'm going to say Creighton. I always had good luck at Creighton.
0: Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys won, um, during your time there in the three games you played, I think you won two out of three the last I think two. So. um, I think so. um, Oh, um, toughest guy you had to defend against?
1: Um, uh, Delgado's definitely up there. Um, I thought me and him always had some good battles. He just strong, strong, strong dude. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with Delgado. Definitely, definitely always a good battle with him.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, uh actually funny story um so Matt Hell in the last interview I did with him, uh he actually told me a funny story about um he checked into the game against um against against them and it goes right up to Angel and the first thing Angel says, "Man, I'm tired."
1: Yeah. Uh he he's a he's a funny dude. I mean, he uh, I remember he would be talking not not trash talking, just talking during the game and um you know, just just kind of speaking his mind while he plays. I mean, he, it was funny, but uh, I mean, the dude was a horse. He, he, he played hard, he played tough and uh, you know, got to respect that.
0: All right. Uh, describe national Marquette day. Five words or less.
1: It's a party I wish I could have been to for once. Yeah, we, we always, we always played on that day. So, you know, we're we're taking the bus through campus and you know everyone's everyone's outside having and it always seemed to be like in February of course that Marquette is supposed to be 30 degrees but it seems to be like 50 and perfect or 60 and everyone's outside throwing parties and here we are off to off to get ready for a game so it would have been nice to experience the other side of things for
0: once oh oh yeah yeah um yeah Matt Helton, that definitely gave me a lot of good insight about just how much of a party atmosphere it's like um when that day actually arrives um um best adjective or maybe you got more than one to describe wojo as a coach
1: Oh, i mean loyal is the first one that comes to my mind um you know he he, he, he's one of those guys who just do anything for his players um but also fiery um (laughs) you know you everyone sees the the floor stomping and and the yelling and um that that's just him he does it out of love you know he wants the best for everyone and uh um you know when you watch it back it's it's actually pretty funny because of because of how intense it is but uh i can tell you when it's when it's you that he's yelling at it's it's not so funny
0: oh yeah no i mean if i were on the receiving end of that. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having a good time. Um, but uh, obviously you've been playing overseas now for the last three years, favorite country uh, to, I mean, obviously you play in Germany, but uh, favorite country to visit.
1: Oh boy. Um, <laughs> we uh, saw so my first two years, we lived in Spain on an Island and that was just beautiful um, that's, I mean, it's really hard to beat that. Um, but outside of the places I've played, um, <sighs> um, it shouldn't be this hard, but, uh, I loved, I loved Greece. We were there for a little bit. Greece was beautiful, Athens. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with like Greece.
0: All right. All right. Um, during your playing time, or even if you carried it over into your professional career now, um, what do you usually uh, like to chow down on before a game
1: uh, I'm just like a like a, like a pasta guy. Um, do a little carb load uh, the day before, and um, uh, I, I I don't try to eat too crazy much the day of the game, um, but yeah usually just just some simple pasta is what uh, is what I'll go for. Um, for like my like game routine meal, all
0: right. Um, any like you know what kind of sauce you you know keep in marinara? Yeah, yeah.
1: meat sauce I guess. Just all right, meat sauce. Um, well, I'm a Fredo guy too, so I I'm, I'm, right. I'm good with good with whatever.
0: All right. Um, what music taste wise? You know if you if you if you got to get in the zone, you know get you fired up mentally yeah. ready for a game. What do you go with?
1: Um... Uh, I would say game wise uh like post malone I'm a big post malone fan um, but just for, like everyday stuff, I'm also a big country fan um, so um two kind of different different sounds, but uh yeah, love them both
0: all right um hidden talent of yours that people don't know about
1: jeez uh... <sighs> I don't I don't know not not that I don't know if I really have a super cool hidden talent
0: or just maybe or maybe even just a fun fact that fun fact.
1: You... I can touch my nose with my tongue I don't okay. know if that's facts I mean that that's... that
0: is a rarity in nature it I'm is I mean that. I don't know many
1: people that can do it but
0: I know I sure I sure know I can for one um yeah. Favorite sport outside of basketball?
1: Recently, it's been golf.
0: You play a lot yeah. of it. Uh, I really got
1: into it about a year ago, and uh, I've I've had the bug ever since.
0: All right. I mean, for me, listen, like I grew up playing baseball, and like you know, I do not have the swing made for golf like that yeah. is – Like
1: I, I I hated golf until literally a year ago. Couldn't stand it. Um, went out with my brother in laws and um, fell in love haven't you know been trying to get better ever since it's weird but it's fun
0: all right now um so I definitely want to make sure I ask you about I mean that kind of wraps like the rapid fire stuff but I definitely want to ask you I almost forgot about this but um speaking of just conundrums we talked about that biggie semifinal game last year between Marquette and Seton Hall but a game that you were part of in Providence your senior year where there was an issue with it being seasonally seasonably warm and you mm-hmm. know ice underneath the Dunkin' Don Dunk the court at the Dunkin' Donut Center was yep. melting and instead of you know trying to clean it off or make sure that it was safe to play, you guys ended up playing on it regardless. Um where does where does that rank in just overall weird basketball experiences for you?
1: That's that's for sure towards the top. Um you know, honestly, I kind of forgot about that until you just brought it up. But um, yeah, that I remember. I remember being on the bench and um, the ref coming over and, and saying, like, you know, what do you think about about calling the game off right now and figuring out a different time to do it? And I think we were losing at the time, so Wojo was pretty for it. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure we lost that game, anyways. Did we? I don't, yeah, I you remember.
0: lost by four only.
1: Oh, we did. Okay, so. Um, it would have been maybe, maybe if we would have postponed it, but yeah, that was, that's tough because anytime the floor is like that, um, that's what you're thinking about. You're not, you know, you're, you're, you're worried about slipping and, and hurting yourself. And um, that's always, that's always a scary, scary thing to have in the back of your head. You can't be going full speed. You can't be stopping at full speed. Um, you're just always kind of on edge.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is the same exact thing happened a year later Um, and involving Seton Hall and funny enough I was actually broadcasting that game for our radio station and they made they did what they didn't do with you guys which was suspending the game and finishing it the next day and the sad thing was you know during the course of the game um, Desi Rodriguez sprained his ankle and then he missed the next three games because of it
1: yeah I mean it's it's terrible like sometimes it's it's not worth to keep playing if if something like that is is pretty much destined to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it made even worse that Providence's athletic department, you know, knew about this beforehand, still, you know, yeah. let it happen. But um, and another thing I definitely want to talk about with uh, Marcus Howard. I mean, this—he was just a kid. I mean, he was set. He was still 17 years old for most of your senior year. Uh, but what's it been like just over the past three years watching him evolve into? Um, the guy that is now, you know, finished all-time in the top 30 in the history of NCAA D1 basketball and scoring, and um, by a country mile, the all-time leading scorer in the history of Marquette basketball.
1: No, I, was, I mean, super proud of the kid. Um, you know, he, he's been – he was such a great guy. Um, even when, when, you know, just as his freshman year, I could tell that just a good kid comes from a good family, and, um, you know, he, his work ethic has always been – out, out of out of the gym i mean obviously in the gym but just on another level um i mean he wants he wants to be the best he wants to be better um he's always working his just determination is is rare and um you know really couldn't be prouder or happier for him and he deserves everything that he's that he's earned and uh, I, I it breaks my heart knowing that his his senior year ended the way it did along with everyone, everyone's senior year this past, this past season. Um, Cause that's just, that just sucks. Um, but I really, I really hope that he gets his chance uh, in the NBA. Um, I think that he, he could definitely make it. Uh, he's got the skills. He's, he's, he's just one of the most pure scorers out there. So um, I hope a team takes a chance on him and, uh, and I hope that he can, can really make a name for himself at the next level.
0: And I will say this also, I mean, there is very few guys, I mean, it's either zero or one guys who have as good or a better step back jumper than he does.
1: It's it's impressive. I mean, you it's so hard to guard. Even if even if you did do guard it perfectly, he, there's a better chance than than not than for it to go in. So, um it's it's hard to guard him. I mean, even as a, as a freshman he was he was a an impressive score
0: um so finally, to wrap uh, to wrap things up, obviously, um, you came in to Marquette in, in the very beginning stage of the new Big East. and it obviously has evolved into the basketball powerhouse of a conference that the old league was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, dating back to, you know, the eighties and continuing all throughout the years. And, um, you know, again, here we are, you know, seven years after people were saying, you know, the big East is dead. Uh, and, yeah. you know, and, and in fact, it's alive and well, and, you know, arguably as good as it's ever been just in terms of top to bottom talent. Um, so overall, what does it meant to you to uh, be a part of the rebirth of um, one of the premier college basketball conferences to ever exist
1: uh, it, it's, it's super special um, i mean i think it i mean it's it's the basketball conference in my eyes um you know it, it, it might only have 10 or, or 11 teams now with, with uconn i guess but uh just all the basketball history that it has um the teams the players it, it doesn't get any better than than what the biggest hasn't um, you know, these other conferences that have, you know, 15 or 18 teams. And, you know, there's just like the first six teams are really fighting for something. But, you know, the first six teams in, in the Big East are out of 10. I mean, that's, they're they're always fighting for something like to be to be in a top half of, of that conference is incredibly difficult. Um, and any game you win, it's, it's a good feeling because you know you had to fight hard for it and you had to play really well because it is such a tough battle every single night, no matter who you're playing. It could be Villanova when they're a championship team. It could be St. John's or DePaul when, when you know, or even us when, when we were at the, at the, at the bottom. Um, you just never know what you're going to get on any night from anyone.
0: And again, you couldn't have said that any better Uh, top to bottom, the big East, I will continue to say this best college hoops conference in the country bar none and a guy who added to the mystique of it um, in its early days and um, helped elevate the status of his, of the conference, especially during his senior year, when the conference out of its 10, seven, including his golden Eagles made it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, So Luke, Uh, Thanks for taking the time out uh, to, you know, uh, talk about your time at Marquette, Um, you know, look ahead to TBT and, you know, talk about a lot more than that. Um, So uh, stay safe out in Columbus. Um, I will definitely be watching your games. Best of luck and uh, kick some ass out there.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. So that does it for this episode of the Igloo. A big thank you again To Luke Fisher for taking time to talk to me about, you know, how the quarantine experience is going so far in Columbus and how he is gearing up to uh, take the court for Golden Eagles, one of the favorites to make some noise in Columbus at TBT 2020. And it should be interesting as it'll be played again in front of an empty nationwide arena, uh, the home of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and an arena that has hosted, ironically enough, the Women's Final Four, actually hosted it the year where Arike Agumbo-Wale, uh went on her run hitting uh, buzzer beaters to knock off UConn and Mississippi State, and it's been a regular host for NCAA tournament games on the men's side, dating back to the early 2000s for first and second round action. So again, all the action starts at 3 o'clock on Saturday. And it starts with Big X. Kellen Dunham's team will be in action taking on D2, a team, as you can probably tell from the name, consisting of alumni of Division II powerhouses. So, on the next episode, I'll have one up Saturday afternoon for the 4th of July on the day of, opening day of TBT, as Remy Abel, my first guest, well, my first former Xavier player to be a guest on my show He will be on with me on that episode as we talk about his time at Xavier after coming over from Indiana where he was on two really good teams that made the Sweet 16 before his arrival in Cincinnati. He'll be playing for Sideline Cancer again this year. Again, they open up on Sunday against Team Hines. So he'll give me a bit of a preview for that game and how – He's feeling about his team's chances, again, going in similar to last year as an underdog in this tournament. So be on the lookout for that new episode. Thanks for tuning in to this one, and until tomorrow, this is Timmy e. I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you all tomorrow. Be on the lookout for that new episode with my guest, Remy Abel.